As a society, what is what is fair? How, how do we balance the interests of the individual and their obligations with what society has agreed they're going to do to help people? I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. Bill, we're talking about Walker's Medicaid work requirements. President Joe Biden's administration has blocked former Governor Scott Walker's plan to require some childless adults to work to maintain Medicaid benefits. What does that mean to the average citizen? Well, first of all, this is a a topic that I've been really interested in for a long time. And back in 2012, when I ran for the Wisconsin State Senate, the La Crosse Tribune actually published an editorial that I wrote about this issue, which is in Wisconsin, about four out of five people have private insurance and the other one out of five people are on Badger Care, which is Medicaid. One out of five people are on Badger Care. One out of five people in this state don't pay anything for health insurance. Their health insurance is provided by the state and federal government. Is that unusual? Nope, that's pretty much pretty close to uh, a few years ago. The ratio here in La Crosse County was about one out of six people run Badger Care. Uh, One might guess that the reason we saw it go to one out of five is related to COVID-19 and unemployment issues last year. But that that, uh, percentage is pretty good across the United States. About one out of six people are receiving their health insurance absolutely free, and that is paid for by state and federal government. Here in Wisconsin, that's about $7.2 billion a year. It's 18% of our state budget. Wow. That's incredible. It is incredible. It's a lot of money. And you know what? It's it's not just that our taxes are going to pay for all this, but because Medicaid, Badger Care, and Medicare don't fully reimburse hospitals and doctors, they shift the cost that they can't get from the government over to the people that have private health insurance. So that's about $1 billion a year extra that Wisconsinites are paying for their health care if they have private insurance. So that's another way that people that work and have private employer-provided health care are subsidizing people that are on the program, which is nationally called Medicaid. Here in Wisconsin, we call it Badger Care. So not to be remedial, but what you're saying is that if you have employer-provided health insurance, you're likely paying more for a service to offset the cost of Badger Care. It's not just likely, you are. <laughs> you are definitely paying higher rates for service. And you know, one of So the, you're taxed twice. In in a way, if you want to call that a tax, but yes, it, you're paying for it and and you don't even And you're know paying, that you're for, paying it. for it. <laughs> you're paying for it and, and you're, you're paying, paying for, it. for it. Exactly right. And okay. so Well, one thing we should mention here is some people might be familiar with the neighborhood family clinics that have sprung up in La Crosse. And so there's a move towards uh, new medical practices that don't accept Medicare or Medicaid patients. And interestingly enough, the La Crosse School District and La Crosse County government are big customers because the cost of health insurance is so much less. And the reason it's less is you aren't bearing the unpaid cost 
of Medicare and Medicaid patients. The cost of a service is in line with what the cost of the service should be, the value. It's what the free market would say that should cost before the government gets involved. So Medicare is a benefit that is earned by paying taxes on work. So Medicare is the other program, and people become eligible for that at age 65. So I can tell you I'm over 60. I'm eagerly looking forward to the day when I won't be paying huge health insurance premiums, and I'll be able to uh, rely on this benefit that I've paid into for my entire life. So right now, if you're making under $200,000 a year, and I am, <laughs> you're, you're not paying, uh, you're paying about uh, 1.9% of your, excuse me, you're paying uh, 2.9% of your income. The employer pays half of that and you pay half of that. But really, when the employer pays for it, you're paying for it. That's money that's not going into your pocket that's still compensation from the employer. So 2.9% of everything that you, I, and our listeners are earning in their lifetime from the time you went to work uh, frying French fries when at, at 15 the, and a half, exactly right. until you're 65 years old is going into paying for this benefit. So that's a very different program because people are actually earning that benefit by paying taxes on it during their whole working life. With Medicaid, there's no such uh, type of uh, payment involved. In fact, that's why this story is so interesting to me, because just the idea that we would ask able-bodied adults to work or to get training so they can work is not acceptable to the Biden administration. And, and so this goes right to the heart of the question of what is our contract with individuals in our society? Really, since the dawn of time, we've expected that able-bodied people would work. And we also accept that there are people who can't work. Uh, maybe they're disabled. They might be blind. They could be deaf. But as human beings, we've always taken care of people who can't take care of themselves. As we should. As we should. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people that would say that's not the way that it should be. But what, what it appears that Democrats at the national level and, and the Biden administration are saying is that we no longer have that same social contract. We're no longer going to ask able-bodied adults to either work or, or receive job training as a condition to being helped by the rest of us. And what's the thought process behind that, do you think? Well, I think it's a, it's a case where I know many conservatives feel this way, but every time somebody becomes a recipient of a new government support program, they become a reliable Democrat voter. And so I think the expansion of these types of benefits is calculated by Democrats to keep them in power. Once somebody becomes dependent upon the government, how do they get out of that? Well, these programs are all based on how much money you earn based on the federal poverty rate. So what happens is you reach a point where they call it the benefits cliff, where if you literally earn another dollar, you lose all of your benefit. So 
that number varies based on state to state. But once you hit that amount of money, if you earn too much money, you will lose, you and your children, if you're a single mom, will lose your health insurance. So this keeps people trapped in a cycle of dependency. They will turn down raises, promotions, better jobs, because if they earn any more money, they're going to lose, well, look at what people pay for health insurance if you're working for a private employer. They're negatively impacted. Right. It's, it's, it's a disincentive to them to try and work to improve their situation in life. So I think that that has to be part of the answer here is that the people that are against asking people to work as a condition for support want people to be dependent on the government. So I think I know the answer to this, but should Wisconsin take the Medicaid expansion offered through Obamacare? Well, you know, a lot of people would say, yes, let's take all of that free federal money. There's just one problem. It's not free. And if we do accept that money, one of the things that's going to happen is it's going to contribute to this cost shifting that's already happening in our hospitals. So I heard Robin Voss speak at the Republican State Convention on this, and they estimate that it will cost people with private health insurance $700 to $800 million a year in Wisconsin if they accept the expansion of Medicaid. And so, of course, you know, we're already paying a huge part of that $7.2 billion uh, last year that we paid in taxes to, to because the state does pay a portion of the Medicaid. So right now the federal reimbursement rate's 90%, but will it stay there? Historically, that's the game played in government. They get these programs started, and then over time they support them at lesser levels, and the tax burden falls uh, on people locally in the state of Wisconsin if the federal government should choose to reduce its level of funding then Wisconsin tax, taxpayers are on the hook for this. Is there a way to get out of it if we decide to do it as a state? You know, it's almost, <laughs> I guess my favorite quote on this comes from Ronald Reagan, which is, the closest thing that we will ever see to immortality in this life is a government program. <laughs> because once they're created, they last forever. I can't think of a single one that has ever been eliminated. Okay, so on the outside, it looks like a good thing. You're taking care of people. What is the goal that the Democrats are working towards in healthcare then? I think the only conclusion we can have is that they really favor a government-run system. And I think this goes right to the heart of the difference between conservatives and liberals. Liberals see government as the solution to every problem. Again, quoting Ronald Reagan, government isn't the solution to our problems. Government often causes problems. And so this is the fundamental difference of opinion between conservatives and liberals. Liberals believe that government run everything is going to solve our problems. Conservatives look at it and say it just causes more problems. It's not better because we'll wind up paying more when the government backs out. We'll get funds initially up front, but over time, those funds will decrease. So, so then you're just paying even more money than you were paying before. So the problem has always been for the federal government that whatever the tax revenue that they receive is, it's never enough, right? 
That's why we have huge federal deficits. Because no matter how much money we send to the federal government, there's always a politician who's going to find a way to spend it to get more votes. Republicans cut taxes. Democrats offer more social programs. But in the end, neither of those things are being paid for, and they result in a deficit. And so if we look into the future and we say, what if we had a world where healthcare was run by the federal government? Well, we already know that there won't be enough money. Uh, we'll skip over the part where huge levels of taxes actually reduce economic growth and employment and tax revenue and, and actually worsen the situation. But, but what we know is we can see what happens with government-run programs in Europe and, and Canada. So one of my favorite anecdotes is about in my time working for Unilever, a global corporation, I reported to an office in Toronto, Canada for five years. And one morning I was drinking my cup of coffee before a meeting and reading the Toronto Sun newspaper. And the editorial was about a woman who sued the Canadian Senate because of the lengthy delay that she was going to have in getting treatment for brain cancer. They told her she would have to wait two months to get treatment for brain cancer. Well, the point of the editorial was that she won her lawsuit. However, she had expired by the time she won the suit. And that's something that we don't hear people on the left talking about, which is it becomes de facto rationing when the government has limited amounts of money, they decide how much they're going to spend on health care, and the result is longer waits. And that's why we see so many Canadians flying to the United States to places like Mayo Clinic to get knee replacements and hip replacements, because there's at least a two-year wait for that procedure in Canada. And hey, if you're somebody who needs that surgery and you've got the money, you don't want to wait two years to get it. Uh, thank God it's not a life-threatening situation, but, uh, but that becomes a big problem with government-run health care is that the government decides that they're going to fix prices on all this stuff. It be, it's not a market-driven system. Another trip I took to Ireland, there were articles in the local newspapers about nurses in Ireland protesting their poor pay. Wait a minute, what? Well, yeah, the Irish government sets the wages for the nurses and they were artificially low, again, because there's not enough money in the system to pay for the health care. But worse yet, every summer, something on the order of 18,000 gurneys, over here we, we would call it a cot, mm -hmm. or, or, and they, there are people on gurneys every summer in the country of Ireland because they don't have enough hospital rooms. Mm. So once we go away from a market-driven economy in healthcare and we let the government start to make all these kinds of decisions, this is what we can see from how it's been implemented in other places. And really, when we look at Badger Care, this is kind of the, or Medicaid, as the federal program is called, this is really the Trojan horse. This is the way that they plan to accomplish that single-payer government-run system in the United States because once you give somebody free health insurance, you can't take it away. And that's exactly what Obamacare did. Obamacare gives a lot of people free health insurance. 
if you make less than 60000 a year in combined household income, your health insurance is essentially free. If you make more than that, then you pay astronomical rates for health insurance. So there, there just can't really be much doubt that what, what the people on the left in Washington, D.C. would like to see happen is that we would move to a government-run system and Medicaid is the vehicle that's taking us there. So the lower middle-class voter who is working and paying an astronomical amount for their benefits in addition to whatever their employer pays, how do you make an argument against that? Well, I guess what I would say is I wouldn't argue against the idea that we're going to help lower-income people have affordable health insurance, but that was the whole idea of the editorial I wrote way back in 2012 which was a sliding scale for benefits. So if we ask people to pay according to their means, uh, we recognize that you're on a program like BadgerCare. In my view, you should pay something. Now we'll exempt certain groups of people, like people that are blind and disabled. We can exempt them from any kind of payment. But the rest of the people should pay something, even if it's $20 a month. It tells people this isn't free. You have some skin in the game. You have to pay something. Mm-hmm. And then if that's a sliding scale that you pay an increasingly higher amount each month, when you do get to that place where you have an opportunity to take a pay raise or a promotion or switch to a better job, now there's not a huge disincentive. Now you can say, well, I might have to pay a little bit more to take this next step in my career, but you are no longer trapped into this cycle of dependency. So... I'm not saying that we should get rid of Badger Care. I'm saying we should make it work better for the people that are dependent upon it. And in the end, it works better for everybody because once we get those people accustomed to the idea that health insurance is not a right, health insurance is a benefit, and people have to be paid to perform those services, then we can work towards a better system where we actually care about helping people work their way off of these government-provided programs. As a society, what is what is fair? How, how do we balance the interests of the individual and their obligations with what society has agreed they're going to do to help people through tough circumstances? And I think the answer has to be that, unlike the Biden administration, we have to say, we expect people to work or get job training who are capable. And being on welfare shouldn't be a career choice. We should create programs that allow people to work their way off of them at some point in the future. Thank you, Bill. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is Fact Check. Remember to subscribe to Fact Check wherever you listen to podcasts and join our Facebook page at Fact Check WIZM.